Hello, everyone. Uh, David Tchinsky here, your host of the Journey Over Destination podcast. Um, we're here with Josh Scheffner. Is that right? Yep. Is that how you pronounce it? Okay, yeah. cool. So, uh, founder uh, and CEO yes. uh, of yeah. Blue Mangoes. Um, also has some really cool stuff coming up um, that I don't know if I want to uncover, but really cool stuff in the works. Um, currently, technically, still stu- a student at uh, Milwaukee School of Engineering. Yep, sadly. And uh, apparently, live we live in the same apartment, which we found <laughs> out by accident last week. And uh, yeah, welcome to <laughs> welcome, Josh. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Cool. So let's get right into it, baby. Um, so talk to me about Blue Mangoes and what you guys do. Yeah, for sure. So. Blue Mangoes is a social enterprise. Uh, what we do is we design technologies that work without electricity, and we make sure that they can be built out of local materials. So we work all over the world, um, East Africa, West Africa, Central America, the Caribbean. And so when we design these machines, we make sure they can be built out of like plantain leaves, uh, local trees that we can strip down into lumber, um, uh, mud-fired bricks. So we make sure that they're engineered for each region. Um, they then use those dehydrators that we build and they dry fruit. And so there's all these fruits that go to waste every single year in these communities, but they have no way to sell them because they've, they've already sold all they can in their local markets and they have no way to preserve them just because they don't have the tech. So what we do is we design that tech for them. Okay, so what, what parts of the globe, um, I guess, are you servicing right now? Yeah, uh, so we are in seven countries actively, uh, Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, Liberia, Panama, Haiti, and Jamaica. Beautiful. Okay. So what was, uh, because I know you're you're still a student, and um, so while while you were going through all your courses and everything, what what was it that sparked you to start this idea? Yeah, uh, I think it was my experience with Engineers Without Borders. Um, It's an organization similar to Doctors Without Borders, where uh, instead of going and doing um, medical practice, we design, like uh, for my chapter, we would design bridges. So I've designed uh, a large vehicular bridge that could take a semi across it in the mountains of Guatemala. Um, So I went there, built built it with some other people from my chapter and a lot of the locals too. Mm -hmm. And I think that was my experience that kind of made me want to do humanitarian engineering for the rest of my life. Okay, so you knew you wanted to do humanitarian engineering, but you didn't necessarily have blue mangoes in mind, right? No, no, I didn't. Um, I think the blue mangoes part came from when I was working in Guatemala and I saw all the fruits that were going to waste. Mm. I saw that there was more than just, so we don't just design the stuff. We also connect them to a market back in America and we sell that fruit. So, you know, we brand it for them, we market it for them, we sell it for them. And that's where the real value comes in to what we're doing. So it's different from what I learned from Engineers Without Borders, but it's moving toward the same goal. Gotcha. So were there like a series of trips you took before Blue Mangoes or was it just that one? No, it was just that one. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so, so how did you come up with the name Blue Mangoes? Because the first place we worked uh, for blue mangoes was in the Blue Mountains of Jamaica, mm. um, and we were drying mangoes. So before that, it was called <laughs> uh, it was called the Sustainable Community Development Initiative. Okay. So not the not the easiest <laughs> to roll off your tongue. <laughs> not the uh, the most you know c- 
conducive to social media and stuff no, like that. No, no, not not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good name change. Um, <laughs> so, how was the process of starting it up? Was it difficult? Was it easy? What, did you feel like you were prepared? It was a. Uh, it was backwards. So we started it thinking it was a project, and then the project quickly became something that we knew needed to have organization to it and could spread way farther than just where we were in Jamaica. Okay. So then we were trying to be a nonprofit, and we ran into a lot of hurdles with that that we didn't necessarily get over, and it was how do we actually make this sustainable? How do we um, how do we keep going after this first one? How, how do we get money to come in just from donations all the time? Mm-hmm. So that's when we learned about social entrepreneurship, and that's that's using a business but making the mission of that business doing good. And there's like mm-hmm. different social enterprises you can have. There's you know Tom's Shoes just is a buy one give one mm-hmm. right. Um, there's some that say for 5% or for every purchase you make, we'll donate 5% of profits to some charity. Okay. But the best social enterprises are the ones that start with the mission and they say, okay, instead of having to donate a percentage or give one away for free, which has its own, uh, uh, controversies, instead what you do is you make the benefit ingrained in the business. So we design tech that works without electricity. It's made out of local materials so that way they can be paid. Uh, We we train local masons and carpenters how to build it so the money stays within the community. We eliminate food waste. We stop trees from being cut down and turned into into charcoal because they see that there's a value for it now. We empower women in our cooperatives. So we go in and we work with cooperatives that already have this or or we form them and we train these women on how to use the dehydrators. Mm-hmm. And then they pay the farmers a better wage than or a better price than what they would have been able to get. And then we pay the women a very good price too. Mm-hmm. So there's benefits at all levels of our supply chain. That's just, that's how our business works. Yeah. So that's how we kind of took being a social enterprise. Wow, so you're like, you come in there A to Z, teach them how to do build it, teach them how to sell it, teach them how to make the fruit. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then there's like the waste products of drying too. Like when you, when you dry the fruit, you know, you pick the right ones, you wash it, but then you peel it, right. you slice it. And so you have your slices and those go in the dehydrator. Mm-hmm. But now you've got a peel left, you've got the pit, you've got this leftover kind of mush and you've got all this juice. So we strain the mush. Now you have mango concentrate, you add water and it's juice. So, okay. the, so the women sell it locally and they keep 100% of those profits. Gotcha. The, the seed is an ingredient in a chicken feed we're building. The, the, the peel, there's a chemical called arushi oil oil, and you can make a local insecticide out of it. Um, and, then the, <laughs> and, then, and then the pulp you can bake in the sun, and it's like a mango fruit roll-up. This is crazy. Yeah. So, I didn't know any of this. Yeah, and that, that's just mango. Like We, we work with a ton of other fruits, um, but so, the point is, is that every part of this fruit is being used, and while we benefit from one of them, and that's how we keep it sustainable, yeah. exporting the, the dried mango, we make sure that every other part of it is benefiting the local community. And okay. we, don't, we don't get a piece of that pie. Yeah. So did you have all that stuff in mind at first? Or was it just like, oh, wow, I, I bet we can try this. And then you just kind of kept peeling that onion back. Or did you have all that in mind? No, uh, we did not uh, have that in mind. And we, we didn't even have the environmental benefits in mind and frankly we didn't even start out saying let's 
design it without using electricity. Like <laughs> we we knew we wanted to help the rural farmers, and we knew that by uh, empowering women in the cooperatives, we would have a better benefit. But every other thing that came out of it was more like this just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it made sense to do it without electricity. It made sense to make it out of local materials. It made sense to push the part of it where we try we have an educational piece now like stop cutting down fruit trees right um, which is a big issue you don't need the charcoal for this specifically you can get away um, with with you know having value from the trees now just yeah. normally so yeah and, th- and then we're making a charcoal too out of coconut okay. so like you, you can like take a full coconut and you can literally turn it into a charcoal briquette and it burns hotter, lasts longer, and instead of cutting down a tree, you're just using a coconut that was going to go to waste. Okay. So. so so from inception, I guess, idea to like your first action, what was that first action that you took to, to start all this? Uh, the first place that we went to was the Commons, um, which is a really cool skills accelerator mm-hmm. in uh, Milwaukee. And I went there as a freshman mm-hmm. and I, you know, just, it was awesome. Really, really what it did is it just taught us what kind of social or what, a what startup life could be. Okay. Um, but it, but it also introduced us to people. And yeah. I think what we walked away from there with, we didn't actually use the model we developed. We changed that a lot more times, but the skills we walked away with, that was, that was super important. Nice. So did you come to them with that idea in mind or was it kind of like a molding within that program? We came to them with with the Sustainable Community Development Initiative okay. in mind. And at the time, that was just drying fruit. Okay. And we didn't know anything else that we were doing. Gotcha. Yeah. So at that point, you kind of like developed the business model and like I'm assuming they helped you with all that process, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the big learning experience. It was learning how to do that. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm sure there's, um, you know, like a huge learning curve speaking from personal experience, too, because I know you you just you don't know what you don't know. And there's so many things that you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what were maybe like one or two things that you um, have been going through that were just like super eye-opening for you along the business uh you know development yeah i'd say i'd say the first that i didn't know um specific to like business stuff would be uh cash flow which is i think everyone's like you know achilles heel yeah um so for us we i learned about it pretty quick but then i was like okay we're fine. Yeah. Like I, I see what we have now. I see what we'll spend. We're good. Um, and then that started to change really quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we ran into a few issues. Um, and now it's like I manage that every single day down yeah. to the dollar. Nice. Um, so that was that was something that I I learned about, but I didn't take seriously. Mm. Um, now I now I do. <laughs> okay. Um, the other thing would be more on like a international development side we thought we understood how to interact with communities Mm -hmm. um, how to kind of uh, make these partnerships how to make it genuine both sides it's not a we're trying to avoid a lot of stereotypes and things that have happened in the past Um, we're still learning like 
every time we kind of go to one of the cooperatives that we're working with, and we're we're working with almost 800 women now. Okay. And so every time we go back, we learn more and more and more. And I think part of it is just like going back is really the point, like being a part of that community as much as we yeah. can be or like learning about it and uh, working with them. That's huge. But we originally thought that to avoid the stereotypes, we didn't want to be these kids who traveled. We wanted to go somewhere once get them set up and leave and not come back, which is a stereotype in itself, but interacts with them just, you know, over the phone or yeah, something. Yeah. We didn't want to keep doing this like volunteerist thing, like traveling and just enjoying our time. And there wasn't really a need. We realize now, like we have to go back pretty frequently yeah. to build that relationship. Okay. Yeah. So when you, when you come to these communities, are they, are they like really receptive to it? Are they kind of like wary? What's, what's that process like? I don't think we've ever been to a community that wasn't immediately arguing over who starts building it, who is going to be in the cooperatives. <laughs> like it, it's, you just have to like imagine this world yeah. that, for two and a half months out of the year to four months out of the year, you walk outside and the road is covered in mangoes. Okay. And you could clear it that day and the next day it would be covered in mangoes. Wow. You know, like each tree grows between one to 3,000 mangoes and these people don't even farm them. You yeah. know, like a lot of the people we work with aren't farmers. They just have trees in their backyard because they grow naturally. So they know how much waste they have wow. and so so when they hear about what this is and when we show them we always show them pictures of what we've done yeah. before it's yeah. like an immediate like arguing over over who gets to do it wow that's really crazy um yeah i had no idea mango was that that <laughs> abundant yeah 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 <laughs> in those parts of the country and, and it, the globe and it's you know mango is abundant so and different fruits are in different areas like guava is a lot in west kenya um, but then, but then it gets past just the abundance, natural abundance. And yeah. now it's like, okay, somebody grew this many pineapples and couldn't sell 4,000 of them. Yeah. And that's 4,000 pineapples. Right. And they sell it for like 15 cents there. Okay. That's a really good price. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so instead of them losing all of that, you know, drying that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so, so it's not just taking care of the natural stuff. It's also taking care of post-harvest loss. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Cool. So, so you guys are obviously pretty young. How old are you? Uh, 22 now. 22. So how, like, I'm, I'm assuming the rest of the team is a similar age. You know, it started that way. Yeah. Um, we had like a big college team that was in it as a college project. Okay. And then as it shifted from that project to that nonprofit and then the social enterprise, it changed a lot. Okay. And so there's, there's, Two other people who are originally from that team still mm -hmm. on. Both of them are 20. Um, but the rest of the team, uh, we have somebody who's 21. You know, now that I think about it, we, we, we have a range kind of right around the college area. And then we have a couple people who are uh, like later 30s, low 40s. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, what I was going to ask is do you guys get any... Um, difficulty I guess from your age are people kind of like less receptive because they think that you know you're young you don't know anything blah 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 all that all that stuff 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, where are you talking about? Um, I guess when you're talking, I guess, yeah, it's two separate, two separate worlds. Yeah. Um, I guess when you're talking here in the States to okay. maybe like investors or anything like that. Yeah. So here in the States, you know, there's different audiences here too. So with investors, normally it's a bit of skepticism. Yeah. Normally it's, it's not that they doubt what we've done. Mm-hmm. It's that when we've taught some investors that others have been awesome. Um, but some investors that we've talked with have kind of assumes that this will always be a side thing for okay, us and okay. that you know while we're doing it for now we would not stay committed mm-hmm. that's that's totally wrong but um there's just this impression that you know college students are flaky okay. which a lot of them are yeah <laughs> um if it's with other people in the US that we're working with um partners like retail stores and outlets or or even like funding agencies, like mm-hmm. uh, the World Food Program, stuff yeah. like that. Those meetings normally go really well okay. because they see what we've done with like really no financial backing. Yeah. And they can tell from that because they're in this world, like what we're actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I know you guys got some exciting stuff uh, with the Target Incubator. Why don't you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Is this your time to shine a little bit, show <laughs> off a little bit, you know? Um, so we applied, my girlfriend got a targeted Instagram ad, um, from target incubator and she passed it along because she just knew like an accelerator was something I might be interested in. Um, their focus, gosh, their application said something like they're looking for companies, uh, that are, I think it was Gen Z minded social entrepreneurs with products that are better for people in the planet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so it was like a very targeted thing that so it's like a perfect storm that we fit really well into. Yeah. Um, so we applied. Uh, we heard back that we got the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like 500 companies that applied for this, too. Nice. And it's like a really short interview period or uh, application. They flew us out to Target's headquarters. Limo picks us up like wow. crazy thing. Um and there were like 16 teams there, okay. uh, all of us um, kind of vying for these eight spots, but all of us being friendly still, because, right, right, you know, right. it, was, it was still good. And it was amazing. Uh, we ended up getting one of the eight spots. So we're with some other super amazing social enterprises. Uh, but yeah, that I get to spend my summer at Target's headquarters for eight weeks, building the brands, being connected to retailers, learning how to do the whole thing nice. and they just they cover it they support us they give us access to a bunch of people at like targets like senior <laughs> levels so yeah it's that's crazy it's a huge huge win so what's been what's been kind of the most difficult or lowest point so far biggest learning lesson hmm or has it been relatively steady it's been an upward trend but it okay. hasn't been steady okay. it's like Jagged up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'd say... I'm not sure I could pick a lesson off the top of my head. I I could tell you what I worry about the most, though, all the time. So so we have four employees right now Mm -hmm. in East Africa, Mm -hmm. two in Uganda and two in Kenya. They're salaried. They work full time. Um, We are. They're like one job. And so while their pay 
you know, they're paid better than what they were before by okay. quite a lot. Right. Um, but it's still not what we want to pay them. We want to pay them more. It's just, you know, what we can right now. But sure. So when, when I told you that cash flow yeah. part of it, uh, this is what freaks me out. Okay. Because I'd say over half of the months that we pay them, we can't pay them. Like, we pay them month to month. We can't pay them on the first. Yeah. And so I've got to call them like a couple days before and I've got to each one of them explain this is where we're at this is what I'm doing to fix it this is the money I'm trying to bring in right this is when I expect to be able to get it and they've been amazing okay and they've always trusted it and you know we've followed through each month and we've gotten it before the month's end always but but I think that is the thing that's always you know top of mind so being able to pay them so let's flip that around. What's been like the most gratifying or more most uh, the highest point of, of this process so far? Um, I'm gonna act like a dad for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I've been a part of this from start to finish. Uh, well, not finish, not but finished, where, where but we are now. Yeah. <laughs> um, people have come in at different points as the team has grown yeah. and we've had new needs. And one of the people who, who came in, his name is Hayden. And Hayden studies international relations and Spanish and entrepreneurship. Okay. And it was a kind of a good fit. And I found him off of LinkedIn and I was yeah. like, hey man, like I have this company, you want to talk? And he was like, sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it feels scammy. Um, ended up bringing him onto the team. Uh, but he was very upfront. He's like, look, I, he was doing project management management for us. He was working with communities abroad and kind of building out those partnerships. He was like, I'm going to be really upfront. I'm in this for the money. Okay. Um, and that was very different to hear, you know, because we were very sure. much social entrepreneurs. And to us, we honestly couldn't care less about the money at the end of the day. Okay. Um, but for him, he was like, I'm in, I'm in this for the money. This is my future job. This is... This is what I care about. And I was like, okay, I'm open to that mindset for a little. Right. I, I think I think it'll change some. And then I hadn't even met him because, yeah. you know, he was in Iowa. You know, I'm here in Milwaukee. And so the first time we meet is two hours before our plane out of O'Hare. And so we're, we're flying to Uganda together. Yeah. And we're working on all the partnerships he's developed and we're building the dehydrators and everything. And within two days of being there he's completely flipped the script nice and it, it went from there's never another mention again about like l- let me be honest i'm in this for the money yeah. and, and and it was like questions about why we aren't doing more in this way or like why we can't help them out with uh with like this um so somebody was sick and like why can't we help out the hospital and stuff like yeah, that okay. it was a bunch of like like he totally saw what we were actually doing gotcha and and now you know when we get like a daily update from him he's in he's in kenya right now yeah um he sends this daily update and in each update he's like the end of it is just the super positive like guys just remember like the impact we're having like blah 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 <laughs> and like like f- related to whatever he's message bought in baby yeah yeah that i think that is the sort of thing that i'm most proud of that's cool that's yeah. really cool 
Um, all right. So if anyone's listening right now, how can they, is there a way they can like help you as your, I know you had a Kickstarter. Is that still live? Yeah. Or? Yeah. The Kickstarter is live until May 31st. Okay. Um, so we are selling our dried fruits for the first time. Uh, this means that we've bought from the farmers, uh, or the women have bought from the farmers. We bought from the women and, uh, we're having a real impact now. So, um, we'll also, after the 31st, we'll be on this Indiegogo program mm-hmm. called a uh, in demand, okay. which is basically like a way to still keep doing pre-orders for a little while. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's what we'll be doing. Cool. So, um, go on Kickstarter, help them out, go on Indiegogo eventually. Yep. Help them out. Look up Josh Scheffner, uh, on LinkedIn. Reach yeah. Out to him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, buy some, buy some dried fruit. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks uh, for having me on. Yeah, of course. So we'll wrap it up. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Awesome. (laughs) Cool.